Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or simply catching up on a message you've missed, we are so glad that you're connecting with God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. I'm going to ask you to stand out of respect for God's word. We're in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 22 through verses 33. As is true, I will read the first verse and you will follow along with my wife Melanie. She forgot her reading glasses, so you may have to help her. We are in that stage of marriage. Can somebody say amen that resembles that? Small, funny story. Now I, that my I don't need glasses, just reading glasses. Yes. Just let me say. Yes, she just says 50 years with these eyes, they've done me well. Yeah, she's in the stage where I just need more light. We remember yeah, those stages? I need more light. Yes. Yeah. She used to make fun of me when I was preaching in the old days, and she said, Mick, you're screwing up scripture. You're not reading it correctly. And nobody had the guts to tell me because I didn't have reading glasses. That's what wives are for. Can I get an amen? Now that I've totally got us off track, we are back to God's word. Ephesians 5, starting at verse 22. For the wife, this means submit to your husbands and to the Lord. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Verse 27. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Verse 29. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Verse 31. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Verse 33. So again I say, each man must love his wife, <coughs> love his wife, as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is going to be an interesting morning indeed. <laughs> Can we pray? And Lord, I ask that today the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, you're going to have a seat. For those of you online, we're so excited that you are with us and grateful for technology. For those of you in the room, we are thrilled that you are here also. I want to give you a quick two things that I continue to forget to give. And that, then we'll jump into today's talk. The first is, for those of you who call KCC home, we have this thing called Faith Promise. We had a mission conference. This is those of us above our tithe, not in addition to, uh, in addition to our tithe, not in place of our tithe. I've asked you to pray about what amount you would give over a year um, by faith and a promise to God that we would be able to give to world evangelization. And so I need to let you know that we came through with $155,600 for the next year. Isn't that awesome? 
So praise God. Thank you, church, for being that. And then the second thing I just wanted to let you know from the Board of uh, Elders is that we are still in the middle of developing the land that I've told you about, and we want to continue to keep you informed on that. Our hope is that this year, or this month actually, we're in the middle of appraising the land and we are looking to get housing all around our church, that the church will be a part in the center of this community that will provide alternative revenue streams, etc. And so we are in the middle of land appraisal. We're in the finalization of which developer will be engaged with that. And so I'm asking you to pray with us as hopefully by the end of this month, we will have a memorandum of understanding. We can begin that process, which is pretty exciting. It's been like over a year and a half of hard, hard work. This is where we are. I second want to say to you is that we uh, are in all of this. Um, God has enabled us that we believe we're going to actually be able to add an additional um, part to our daycare, our explore and grow, and actually double the size, which will double our ministry and double our alternative revenue stream. And we're going to be able to do that in all this development without paying one penny for it. Isn't that awesome? That's really, really good news. So... I just want to say to you that we'll continue to let you know as this thing unfolds. You're always welcome to ask questions. You can connect with me and or the elders. If you don't know who the elders are, obviously you can call the church and we'll be able to um, engage you with that. Is that helpful? Just keeping you updated. Well, we're starting a new series this very day called Jesus and the Tough Stuff. As I prayed about 2022 and where we should go, one of the critiques and criticism of the church is that the church is not authentic that they will stand on a stage and they will do all this, that, and the rest, but yet we never really talk about how Jesus is in the day-to-day life. Sure, it's fun to come into the sanctuary and we have this great experience, but then I silo Jesus and kind of do my Jesus thing and then there's the rest of my life. For those of us who truly love Jesus, know that Jesus wants to be involved in all areas of our life, even the tough areas. Can I get an amen? So over the next three weeks, I'm going to be sharing stuff that I believe that Jesus wants to be engaged with, obviously from the passage that we read. And with my wife, Melanie, on stage, we're going to talk about probably one of the most um, challenging, fulfilling, uh, everything if you're married to understand that Jesus wants to be engaged in our marriages. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Let me just say this, is that I believe with all my heart that we have two obstacles in the church in 2022. The, uh, many obstacles, but two major ones. One is the destruction of the family. The enemy knows if we destroy, if he destroys the family, destroy our children, destroy our marriages, destroy the structure that Scripture says, then we have no church. And so he's after that. And then the second thing we know we're facing is the deconstruction of truth itself. That the word of God is not the same as we think it. And there's reinterpretations. I'm going to preach about that in two weeks. And basically what I'll say to you as a prelude is this. We are now experiencing what prophecy says. That in the last days there will be those that will only want to hear what their itching ears desires. And I'm here to declare to you. There are many men and women that are in leadership today that are doing exactly that. And I'm here to declare to you. Regardless if we're the last one standing. We will hold on to the truth of Jesus. Jesus Christ and his word until our very last breath. Can I get an amen? So here we are, we read Ephesians 5, and basically we're not going to exegete this, but we're going to use Melanie and I's life as a uh, kind of case study for all of this. I wanted to go back to that last verse. <laughs> okay. It says you, I told you I had no idea what she was going to say. It said, you have to love me, I only have to respect you. Oh, oh so you know. <laughs> all right, we'll talk about that one after the service. 
<laughs> yes, Ephesians 5 does say, gives us our roles of what it is in marriage, doesn't it? And let me, before we talk about Ephesians 5, for those of you who are married, I would say that there are three types of marriages here today. Which one do you fit in if you're married? There's those that are having a great marriage. You are following scripture and you're fighting for your marriage and we celebrate you. There are those of you that are just coexisting. You are parallel lives. You're not in conflict, but you truly aren't connecting the way you know you should because of a variety of reason in, reasons in your narrative. And then unfortunately, there's the third group that are actually in crisis today. And you don't know whether or not you're gonna continue. My, my hope is that my wife and I can be a source of encouragement to regardless of where you find yourself today. Now, if you're single, you're thinking, what does this have to do with me? I'm here to declare to you that relationship principles are applicable regardless if you're married to somebody or not. The vast majority of these principles, I think, are true for all of us. So I think we all need to um, basically hear and listen. Now, Ephesians 5 basically gives us, the Bible gives us these two rules. Men, we are to love our wives the way Jesus loved the church. That's easy to say at a wedding. It's easy to say at the altar. It's another thing to actually do it. I will say that in my nearly 30 years of marriage to my wife, I have diligently tried to love her the way Jesus loved the church, and I've failed many times miserably, but I will never, ever give up loving her because loving her the way Jesus loved the church is simple, to see her flourish, to see her thrive, to see her life be all that Christ wants it to be, not that she somehow has to be subservient to me and, and somehow not see the dreams that God has for her life. That is what I want to do as her husband, which then enables her to do the roles that she's supposed to do, which isn't subservient, but in today's world is a cuss word, isn't it? To say submit, which is in scripture, and to say to respect is actually words that people don't want to hear, but when the man actually does what he's supposed to do in his role, it makes it a whole lot easier for the woman to do in her role. And so we wanna kinda of use our lives as an example. As we do that, let me just say this. There are three foundations that all of us need in marriage that without this, marriage simply won't work. The first one is, is trust. Trust itself. If you don't trust your spouse, you're in trouble. I can say to you without a blink in my eye that this lady next to me that for nearly 30 years, I trust her with everything that I have. I trust her walk with Jesus. I trust her motives. I trust her desires. I trust her um, hopes and dreams, everything about her. And I trust that she loves me. That's incredibly freeing, isn't it? To know and have that kind of trust. S secondly, not only trust, is that we, I know number one, number two is she loves Jesus more than she loves me. That we must love God more than we love our husband or our wife. Why? Because if we only love one another without first loving God, this may be new news to some of you. We don't have it within us. Our own hearts are so selfish that it's crazy that we will only love with ulterior motives that we may get something out of it. And even those of us are getting the love of Jesus, we still kind of convert to that at times, do we not? I'm gonna love you so I get something out of this. But once I truly love him, then I can truly love her. When she loves him, then she can truly love me. Trust, love for Jesus, and number three, commitment. Commitment. We live in a society that quits everything. And here's what I would say to you about commitment. I, if you don't get anything else, you get this. I fight fiercely for my marriage. Fiercely, with everything I have. Fight for your marriage. Because all of our stories are different. That makes all the difference in the world. 
And I would say to you before we give you what we're going to give you as an introduction to this is that the person standing beside me, I love with everything I have. I love this lady. I'm not ashamed to declare it. I've had time to prove that I love her. She's, and what's amazing about that is that she loves me. And it has nothing to do with what I do, what position I hold, or how good or how bad I am. I know that I am loved, and, I, and she knows that she is loved. And that makes it possible to be able to have a marriage in 2022 with all the obstacles that we have. Because there is a spiritual war upon marriages today, even for those people that love Jesus. Anybody agree with me? Yeah. One of the greatest challenges of marriages is what? Unmet expectations. I'm expecting you to do this for me. and She's expecting me to do that for her. And, and in that process, all of a sudden, slowly, we don't meet those expectations. And maybe we're a conflict avoider and all that. We never talk about those expectations being unmet. And as a result, we slowly drift apart because we're not engaging one another. Here's what we want to do. Gary Chapman gives what he calls the four seasons of marriage and uses the seasons of weather to kind of describe that. So today what we want to do is we are, tells a little bit about our age, honey. We are in season three of four. I think we're still young, but we're in season three of four. And we're going to share a little bit of a snapshot of each of those seasons for us, for our lives, and then how he, Jesus, has been in those situations, the good and the bad, so that you can hopefully be challenged to say, enough is enough. Let's be all that we need to be in our marriages. Sound like a plan? So let's jump into it, hon. The first thing that, the first season that he talks about is the spring season. That's the newlywed season. We experience that even in our own marriage. My daughter's on my left, your right, and her husband is now helping out in children's ministry, so he's not here today. No quotes. She's really, he really is your husband? Yeah, he is, he is. And you guys are in what they call the spring season, the newlywed season. That season of marriage is the season where you have all of these hopes and aspirations, and then you realize something is that you really didn't know that person. I know in my own life, when I was getting married to her, here's the, here was the thing in the spring season for me. Everybody thought I was awesome. And I thought I was awesome. I was likable. I was fun to be around. I was the life of the party. And then I got married. And what I mean by that is that once I got married and had to live with somebody, I was 26, she was 20. So now that I'm at this season, I'm like, that's really young, 20 years old. And what I realized in that spring season is how selfish I really am. That's what I mean. I thought I was really great. And then I realized, oh, my word, uh, marriage is like a discipleship tool by God to show us how selfish we really are. As long as you're doing it my way, as long as we're, I'm getting my way in the marriage, I'm good to go. But when we don't, that's the really tough part. And I would say the challenge in that early season for me was, she's, she's going to laugh because she knows it's true, is unrealistic expectations. Like I had this above the world type of expectations of what our marriage was going to be. We were going to read the Bible this way and we we're going to pray this way and this posture and we were going to serve Jesus this way and all these wonderful plans and how we were going to do household. And she looked at me with her eyes crossed and said, I don't know what planet you're from but I don't do it that way. You will never find two people more different than her and I mm -hmm. and more strong-willed. We are the two strongest-willed people you will ever meet on this planet and we're still married, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, 
And in addition to that, we are very, very, don't you say anything, kids, stubborn beyond stubborn. Is that not true? I mean, you are. Yeah, see, there you go. I mean, I'm just naturally strong. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, what we realized in these, unmex I had to begin to change in that season what my expectations were of my relationship with you. The other thing we realized quickly in the spring season was this. You know how we have these general, generalities of what a, a husband is and what a, a, a wife is, right? Well, I had many of the characteristics of what they said a, a wife is, and she had many of the characteristics of what they say a husband is. I love words, and I love to vomit them all over her. Just talk, 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 talk. I love to connect at heart. Let's get gushy, and let's just connect at deep levels. And she's like... It's not going to happen. And she went running into her woman's cave, and I went running after her. And I realized, I said, all the books that they're saying, I'm actually, we're, we got a problem here. Yeah, we have role reversal in our marriage. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. She does all the hammering, and yeah. I do all the cleaning. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's literal. That is not, a, that's really mm -hmm. where we are at as it relates to that. But in the spring season for me, and then I want you to share, Melanie, for me, that was the challenge, was unrealistic expectations. But the positive was, I remember we, we just got married. We lived in Denver, Colorado. We were in our one-bedroom garden-level apartment because we were too poor to have uh, a, a, a regular apartment because they cost too much. So the garden level was cheaper. And we sat and having dinner together, and I said to her, man, I didn't even know you. And now all that I'm getting to know you, and the positive was, it was amazing that you are truly who you said I thought you were. This woman that loves adventure, this woman that's on mission for Jesus, this woman that was totally about engaging. And I would say to you, when I met her, what drew me to her was, I was a youth pastor in Port Huron, Michigan. She had just graduated from high school and she was living in a tent for the summer after graduation in the country of Indonesia. I come in as the youth pastor and praise the Lord, the young adult pastor. And I see this woman coming back in combat boots wanting to serve in Timbuktu. And I was like, that's my kind of gal. What, can you share a little bit about spring season for you, the pros and yeah. the challenges? It was rough in those <laughs> days. It, I mean, I just didn't know what I was getting myself into. He used to toot and pull the covers over my head. It's, it's a miracle we're still married. But, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes. He's much more mature now. <laughs> but I worked through that toughness of those early days. And I think really the astonishing thing for me when we first got married and in the spring season was that, um, you know, when you're dating somebody and you're, gay, you're engaged and you're really attracted to that person and what attracted me to him was his intensity, his love for God, his passion. But then when I got married to it, it was really hard to live with. Living with that intensity 24-7 with that passion and the way he read the Bible and the way I read the Bible, the way he did his devotions, the way I did my devotions, it was very different. And that's why he's talking about unmet expectations. Plus, he uses, you know, in an astronomical 50,000 words a day, and I use about 2,000. So we had to work through that. But um, we were really um, excited. Really what brought us together was the anticipation of doing ministry. We were both called into ministry. I was called to be a missionary at the age of seven. And honestly, I had no intention of getting married. I was going to be Jungle Jane and live in the jungle. And I never intended to get married or have kids. And then you saw me. Yes. Then I saw 
saw Mick. There was a light <laughs> above his head. What'd you just say? There was a light above your head like an angel. Oh, that's the first there. time I've ever heard that one. But, <laughs> but we really anticipated what God was going to do in and through us. We just wanted to serve, and we were so excited. And, um, you know, one of the best things we did was do ministry together, and you really get to know somebody that way. And we really liked, enjoyed doing ministry together. That was really, I think, the hallmark of the spring season. And then we quickly jumped to summer season, which is, for many of us, the longest season and thus far the longest season for us. That's the season of the incredible business, uh, busyness of children. And we jumped into raising kids. And so here we have the balance act. And many of you are in this moment right now where you are trying to continue on to love God and everything that that looks like. And then continue to love your husband or your wife with all that looks like. And then you got all these kids and how you're going to do that. And then you've got the, fourthly, the issue of working and how you do all that. And trying to do all four of those things become daunting to say the least. And you, you, you fail at, at certain moments in one of those areas continually in the summer season. It's the longest, but it's the one that will make or break in many ways the marriages that we um, engage with. And so uh, uh, the positive side for us as we jumped into this season is that we had prayed and we said we want to have two kids, God willing, if he allows that to happen. And then the third child we want to adopt, and that is exactly how it occurred for us. Not the case for many people, but that's how it worked for us. And so we knew that, and we were on the same page with that. Secondly, is that we were totally, we knocked this one out of the park, honey. Not much did we knock out of the park, but this one, we were on the same page about how to raise kids. Like, totally on the same page. And it was simply this. You ready? You catch this? It changes everything. You kids are a welcome member of this family. You are not the center of this family. And that changed everything for us, right? And for some of you, like, what are you talking about? Well, so many Christians put their kids on the throne and everything evolves around the kids. Our kids were a part of our ministry. They were a part of everything, but there were boundaries. We did date nights. They went to bed when it was time to go to bed. We spent time together. We believed the greatest thing to do was to model consistency in front of them. We were the same as it relates to discipline, about discipling them, about enjoying them, about activities, all of those things. Now, our kids were raised uniquely in that they were what they're called TCK kids and also PK kids and also MK kids. You're like, what is that? A TCK kid is a third culture kid that grows up in another culture, and therefore their world is very small and they never feel at home anywhere. That's where our kids are at. They are uh, missionary kids, which kind of connects to third culture kids, and they're also, they were preacher's kids. So they had all of those labels as they were growing up. And so we were in this season trying to balance all of that. And I remember when the, Mickey was two and Michaela was one, and we were in the, the flow of just getting ready to go overseas. And Melanie had a moment, and she looked at me, she cried, and she said, you're no longer my friend. And I looked at her, and I said, the best thing I ever said, I said, what would make me your friend again? She said to me without, oh, I'll pause, let's do ballroom dancing. I was like, Really? You all know how much rhythm I've got? Praise the Lord. <laughs> so I went out and got a, a, a babysitter for eight weeks and went out and found ballroom dancing classes for eight weeks. And every Tuesday night for eight weeks, we went ballroom dancing in the middle of the summer season. That we were like, I value you and your friendship enough to be able to get us where we need to be. And in that, I think it was huge for us. We also found out, most importantly, in the summer season, that our biggest challenge was money. We do money differently. Yeah. It Any, was, money is not a problem for me. Never a problem for her. It's not a problem. He never has a problem. a problem with 
with how I do money. I don't have a problem with how I do money. Praise the Lord. That is not a problem. He has the problem. I surely did. It was a, it was a great experience indeed. I'm sure there are other people that hear my voice right now that understand that a lot of marriages, the spouses do money differently. Yeah, see, it is truly, we got one amen out there and I don't want to be with them at the end of this service. <laughs> what happened in this season also as we tried to figure out the money thing and how we were going to do that is that Melanie was this uh, 20-year-old spring uh, season, really kind of passive and whatever. Yeah, you and got really lucky because I was very submissive in those early days. Yeah, and was, then we had kids. Yes. And she changed completely. Yes, I became a mama bear. Mama bear. Mm -hmm. And so she began to become very strong-willed, and the two strong wills began to collide. Not about the kids, but about all the other aspects of life. And yet, we continued to do what? Pray together, talk together, invest in one another. We were doing the foundational things in the midst of the challenges that our particular situation happened. We had ministry transition in the stage. Melanie never wanted to come back um, to live in America. God called us back. We, uh, we had to go to counseling when we came back to Michigan uh, to walk through the grief process of being in that. There's nothing, by the way, wrong with counseling. It's a beautiful thing. You should be doing counseling even if your marriage is good to get a coach to talk to things because here's what I know to be true. The longer you're married, you so know one another so well that you start to anticipate what they're saying and the most frustrating part is when you're trying to say something else and they interpret what you're saying that is not what you're trying to say. Has anybody been there done that? If you're not, if you haven't, then you're not being honest. Counseling and coaching helps you to communicate at levels that you sometimes can miss each other simply because you know each other so well. And so that, those challenges of transitions were huge for us. Then we were 10 years at Stony Creek, and then we transitioned to the city of Detroit for five years, and then we transitioned here. So a lot of transitions in this children's season, but most importantly, we had a lot of positives with a lot of challenges, but Jesus was in the middle of all of those. Do you have some thoughts about the summer season from your perspective? Yeah. Yeah, summer season was a very fruitful time in our lives. And, um, you know, we were really committed to having a healthy marriage because the, the, the ministry was so intense. We were living in a, in a Muslim country. And, um, you know, they don't celebrate Christmas or Easter or anything. We're so far away from family, raising our kids away from their grandparents. It was very intense. And um, somehow God granted us the grace to understand that a healthy marriage is the, the best foundation for um, a healthy family and a healthy ministry. And so we were committed to that, and God gave us grace for that. Really, it's, it was a gift of God, you know, that, that he gave us that understanding. But, um, but again, you know, when having kids, my biggest adjustment in having kids was expectations. For him, it was early on in the marriage. For me, it was a little bit down the road because all of a sudden you're really having to balance roles and what are you going to do and what am I going to do and we had two kids in diapers they're 14 months apart those little chitlins sitting right over there 14 months apart those little shenanigans yeah and um, so two kids in diapers weren't even potty trained when we moved to a third world country that didn't sell diapers I had the wherewithal to take cloth diapers yeah, so I raised my kids in cloth diapers like my mama raised me. <laughs> uh, 
But um, learning to adjust expectations and roles, he I felt like I never had enough help from him. And I felt like the more I asked for help, the more he was frustrated. And so again, it's all about expectations and roles and serving and being willing to serve. But, um, you know, the tough, the tough thing about the summer season was the transition back to the States because, um, again, God had called me to be a missionary and I didn't feel that he had released me from that call. And um, so when Mick felt like God was telling him he was to come home and be a mobilizer, you know, that didn't jive with me. It just didn't. And that was really hard to reconcile being obedient to God and being obedient and submitting to the God's call in my husband's life. And really, it's not that my call had changed. It was just that God was changing my location, but I didn't see it that way. And it was really hard. I really had no intention of living in America. I didn't think God would ever make me live in America. <laughs> but he did. And here I am. And we're still married. Do we have anything positive in the summer season? Yeah. <laughs> the positive thing is I didn't struggle with money. You did. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Melanie did say something in this season that I would love. To, uh, I remember her saying as it related to coming back in God's call. She said, I had to learn to love mm -hmm. God more than the call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ponder that for a second. It's a, it really means that my love for God is above everything else, even mm -hmm. the call. And this is not a call to be go out and do anything, a call of God. And yet she... Um, sees God's hand in all of that. And so we navigated through this. And as you know, some of you are in all these different stages. We moved to the third stage of what is fall season or autumn season. This is what we declare as empty nest, where the kids are independent. Well, sometimes they're independent. And uh, trying to figure out then how we jump into this season. And those first two seasons, spring and summer, are going to be the basis to what your fall season is all about. And so many um, marriages, it's all about the kids, it's all about the activities, and they do parallel lives so that when they move into autumn season or fall season, they're not friends at all. Well, we had done so well, really. We had done so well in those first two seasons. I was beyond ecstatic about this season, which we've been in, what, three or four years, this season that we're in right now called fall season. And I was like, we're gonna be best friends. Remember, remember I'm, I'm like the, the woman. We're, I'm go we're going to get, whoa, this is gonna be amazing. It's just gonna be so incredible. And, and, and to my discovery was that now, you know, let me just say this. This part of the, our talk is that it's, all, pastors are notorious for always talking past tense. They don't ever want to talk present tense because they're afraid of what you're going to say about them. You know what I'm talking about? But we want to be real and authentic. We're in the middle of autumn season. My wife is at a totally different spot than me because I was wanting to engage and she was at a different space, which I'll let her um, actually describe. But in that time, uh, we, we sought counseling for the second time. And the second time was huge for us because I was devastated. Like, what? what? You don't want to engage at the levels that I want to engage in because here was my fear. My fear, remember me telling you the three different marriages? My one fear was I, do nev I never want to have a marriage that just co coexists. Our commitment, I never have never questioned, there's never been a thought of divorce, there's never been a thought of, of ever, I've thought about, she's thought about killing me, but never divorce, right? Murder, and, yes, divorce, no. Yeah, and yeah. we were committed through life, but I was fearful as we jumped into this three or four years ago that we were just gonna coexist 
that we were so different that somehow, uh, and the other thing that I would say to you about marriage is that as I jumped into the fall season is that we just figure it out and then one or the other starts to change again. And God does that intentionally because it keeps us continuing to engage, continuing to grow, continuing to serve, continuing to learn, because we continue to evolve as people as we mature and we go through these different stages. You've heard me say this before, it doesn't matter how old you are in this place, whatever stage you're going through right now, it's the first time you've ever done it. Does that make sense? You're going through whatever you're going through for the first time, you've never been there. It's the same way with marriage. And what on the positive side of this, this season that we're in is that, that going back to that commitment, that friendship, that fighting ferociously for your marriage, to love each other through everything, those things. And I would say to you also positively thing is that praying for my wife has been critical in this. Getting up early in the morning and praying for her, allowing the Holy Spirit to show me my selfishness, my, unex, my unmet needs, and trying to impose them on her over and over again to truly be Jesus to her in this season. It's easy to be Jesus to her when everything is hunky-dory. It's another thing when she isn't meeting my expectations and everything changed. So we are still committed. We are walking through this. We had a great date night last night. That's really good to have a good date night before you're sta- on stage. Wasn't planned. Had a great date night last night. But explain your positives and your challenges for this season we're in now called autumn or fall season. Yes, autumn in a woman's life. An ode to autumn. <laughs> it's one word. It's a one word poem. And you've heard it, I'm sure, many times. Menopause. Men. That's a one-word poem on Autumn. Yes, and my husband is enduring and loving me through it, and, you know, I'm, I'm loving him through it, but, um, you know, that's the autumn season in a woman's life, and I used to balk at other people when they would say, oh, I've changed, I'm a different person, and, and I've fallen out of love or what have you, which is a very real experience in people's lives. I'm not going to um, belittle that. However, I never thought I'd be one of those people, and here I am at the age of 49, and I am now can humbly say I am a different person. My personality has changed. (laughs) The way I do life has changed. The way I approach my husband has changed. Sometimes I feel internally frustrated, and then I'm frustrated that I'm frustrated, and then I don't know what I'm frustrated about. And he says, I still have the hots for him. I call it hot flashes. <sighs> you know? So it, it, it's a process. And anybody out there that's over the age of 49 and is still married, you know, you understand the process of growing old together. I don't know. I don't think we're really doing it so gracefully. We're trying, but we're not ballet dancers. You know, I'm more crunk, you know? But... <laughs> I have no idea what she's talking about, but nonetheless. (laughs) But, you know, we're learning to age together. We're learning to grow old together. And we're not doing it so graciously or gracefully, but we're we're doing it, you know. And, you know, then you have, you know, our bodies are connected spiritually to who we are. And I'm not going to deny that there's a mind-body connection or a spirit-body connection until death when God divides our spirit from our body and gives us a new body. But my body hates me right now, and it is playing the worst practical jokes on me. I look at food and I gain weight, you know? And I, and I look at those two little kids over there and I have them to thank for my middle-aged spread and the skunk stripe down the middle of my head. 
And I think, good Lord, when did my body turn against me? You know, but it affects me spiritually as well because again, I get frustrated. I don't understand why I feel the way I feel and I don't understand why I'm lashing out at my husband and I think my brain is swollen and I have encephalopathy or something. But it's just menopause. It really is. But you know what? God knew I was going to go through it. He did, even if you didn't. Yeah. I, I, I intellectually knew it. So, you know, yeah. So this is us being real. This is, we're, we're not talking past tense. We're not talking future tense. This is us now. This is us. Isn't that a show? Yeah, I think this is us. This is us. So, yeah. Where do you see Jesus in all of this? Um, you know, where Jesus is is that he knew we were going to go through it. He knew our bodies were going to change. And he, he's not surprised. You know, he might get a few giggles out of it. Um, but, you know, he is ultimately my great physician and my creator, and he knows me from the inside out. That's where he's at with all of it. And, you know, the other, the other issue um, at this stage of life is another transition. You know, as much as we love you guys, we had to transition from Detroit to the west side of the state. And I don't know if you know Michigan very well, but the east side is not the west side. <laughs> And I really loved Detroit, and I, I, we lived there, we did ministry there, I worked there, I was a hospice nurse in the city, in the heart of the city, I went to neighborhoods the cops didn't go to, and so I, lo I loved it, I, and, and here we are, another transition, empty nest, I'm not a mom on a very, every daily basis, they're not necessarily in our house the way they used to be, and I'm back to school, and my brain is tired. And I don't remember things the way I used to when I was 20. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, I would have to say for me, this is the toughest season yet. Um, it's a challenge to be in it. And I didn't anticipate that it would be such a challenge spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And, um, but we're in it and God's with us. And ultimately, um, we find victory in small things on a day-to-day -day basis. And I would say that mm -hmm. the beauty of me loving her the way Christ loved the church is that I have, with everything I had for her to flourish and say, go back to school. And she's in the middle of that to get her master's in nursing, et cetera. And I applaud that mm -hmm. and celebrate that in her life. And again, remember, trust, love for Jesus, and commitment and fighting. That's really the three things we want you to hear today. Because all of your stories, if you're married, are so, so different. But I would say to you, the last stage, which we're not in, is called the winter season. This is when you retire. This is when you're both no longer working full-time. You may be working part-time here. And then all of a sudden, you, you, I hear that, I thought the winter season sometimes is what we experience in empty nests, where you have to be together so much, and you're not used to that. Figuring mm -hmm. out how to do the dance, and, and this is the way I do this, and this is the way I do that. Who's gonna cook? Who's gonna do that? All the things called house become. And then you start caring for one another, because the body is, according to scripture, gonna waste away. So the body's mm -hmm. only gonna have more obstacles as you get older and older, and who else to be there for you than the one beside you to uh, love you in those times to be as you move into the winter season. And then be committed during this season that I will stay on mission, uh, it will look different, but I am going to make my life count. I'm going to serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus in this season, and I'm not going to quit. It is Melanie and I's desire when we enter, God willing, a winter season, that we finish the race as fast um, that he allows us to finish it. That we won't just coast into the end, but we will do it with everything that we have, that Jesus will look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that by us being real, that I am, I would say to you as we conclude this time, is that we 
we would say to you as it relates to marriage, marriage has been an incredible tool by God to make us more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when we stop that process, we will always have this propensity to do this mm -hmm. as a relationship. It's just too overwhelming. And we are committed to doing that. Are we perfect? No, but God is that and um, doing that in our lives. And I would just say to you as we conclude is that here's the thing that I realized in my relationship with my, with my wife, my relationship with my kids, and my relationship even with you. But specifically for Melanie, and that is this. I can't give you what I don't have. I can't give you what I don't have. And the greatest gift I can give you is my own intimacy with Jesus. And when I have this intimacy, I have something to give you. And if I don't have that, what I'm giving you is a, a, a cup that's empty, a, a person that's frustrated, a person that's walking in the flesh, a person that's selfish. But if I'm filled up in my intimacy with him, figuring that out. And isn't that the case for every aspect of our lives, mm -hmm. specifically in our marriages? Because we continually want our way, our way, our way, our way, our way. It's not your way. It's your way together as one. Going back, the goal of marriage is simple from Genesis 2. Oneness. One plus one equals one. We are one spiritually, one physically, one emotionally, one relationally, one on mission. Let me just say it clear. I said it at my kid's wedding. I'll say it in front of you. God never puts you together to live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. That may be new news to some of you, but he puts you together to be a team to finish the mission. And everything else falls underneath that. Your marketplace ministry, your children, where you live, where you serve, it's all about together as a group. And once we realize that, that makes all the difference in the world. But you don't hear that in America. It's about living happily ever after. And when you're not happy, there are many times we're not happy. There's nobody that loves me more and there's nobody that can make me mad quicker than this individual to my right. Does anybody else relate to that? No. Yeah. I don't relate to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about that one later. I have something to say about the winter season too, honey. Okay. Um, you know, we now we're just projecting. We, we don't know what 10 years is going to look like. Now we're like. just speaking from the book. Yeah, yeah. Now we're, now we're just projecting because right now we're in the autumn season, but winter season is coming if God grants us those days. And I, I, I was, I've, I've always thought, I, from the time I was a teenager, I always thought I don't want to limp across the finish line. And I don't mean physically. I have no idea what my body is going to do to me. I have no idea what's going to come my way and how I'm going to be when I'm 80 if I make it make it 80 years, but spiritually, I do not want to limp across the finish line, you know, and I want to end well, and even if my body doesn't end so well, because you can end very well, and you can charge across the finish line even if you have cancer, even if you have a terminal diagnosis, and I'm a hospice nurse, I know, because I see people pass into eternity who have lived well, even when their bodies are decaying while they're still living. And um, a verse that I have inscribed on my Bible is Psalm 73, 26. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. And so ultimately, at the end of our days, we don't know when that is or how long it will be, but ultimately he is our portion. And he grants us the grace to stay married and he grants us the grace to live, to bear with my bursitis and my tendonitis that I've had for the last month. And he grants me the grace to seek his face every day. And he's going to give me um, the portion that I need as I grow older.
reality as we conclude is that I'm a better man because I'm married to her. I respect her, I learn from her, her zest for life and fun, her, her, her passion for the underserved people continue to challenge me to not be task oriented, but to care about somebody in front of me, to be able to learn those things that are not natural for me, which are natural for her, has been an incredible journey for me. So there's nobody in the room that I respect more than the one standing beside me and loves me unconditionally. And that is the goal of marriage, my friends. My prayer for you as we conclude is this, with a question, where are you at? Where are you at if you're married? You may be doing some great things for God, but you can never ever just coast and you can never just, um, just get by. You have to fight, fight, and then fight again for your marriage to be all that God wants it to be because it always has a propensity to do this and the enemy's always putting things between you and your spouse day in and day out. Is this not true of anybody that's been married long enough, yeah? Yeah. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and stand with me if you will. And I want you to bow your heads. Thanks, honey. As the worship team comes on up, would you bow your heads with me? If you happen, I know again, there are people that are listening to me. You're in the middle of, you might be in the middle of divorce. You might be in the middle of a of marriage that's completely falling apart. You might uh, be single looking uh, for a marriage. You might be married and you're in the middle of a struggle. You might be just coexisting. But here's what I want you to do. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if your spouse is by you, would you uh, grab their hand if they're near you? Would you just take a second? Come on up here, honey, and grab my hand. I know you don't like to do that, but. <laughs> Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Would you pray now for your spouse? Maybe it's been a long time since you prayed for them. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just say a prayer for them. Would you do that? Lord, lead us and guide us. Forgive us where we need to be forgiven. Grant us humility where we need humi humility. Help us to admit when we're wrong. Help us to pick up our towel and truly serve our spouse. Help us to be able to communicate the hard things that we are finding impossible to talk about. Bring healing and forgiveness where forgiveness and healing needs to happen. And most importantly, Lord, where there's areas of our life that we haven't put you on the throne and we're in charge, we renounce those now and we surrender them to you and ask you to be back in charge of them. Would you do the miracle in each of our lives that we know that you need to do? We acknowledge that we can't, but you can. We can't, but you can. Would you do that for us, O oh Lord? I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen.